Good morning and welcome to Dorchester Community Church. My name's David and I'm part of the leadership team here at DCC. I'd like to give you a big warm welcome if you're here in person. It's great to see so many of you. And we'd like to give you a big warm welcome as well if you're joining us online. If you're here in person, why not shout a big hello to the people online? One, two, three. Hello! (laughs) Just to let you know there really are people here and it's not just me. A very special warm welcome to you this morning if your name is Romy Barton. Romy, why don't you stand up so everyone can see who you are? Romy is joining us this week. Uh, It's her first week here in church. Romy is our new pastoral care worker. Romy, we're so excited to have you with us and to have you as part of the paid team here at DCC. And we are uh, waiting in excited anticipation of what God is going to do through you and your new role. We're going to hear more from Romy uh, later in the service. Glyn is going to be speaking to us this morning as we continue looking at this book of Proverbs. Proverbs has so much to say about our everyday practical lives, and we're unpacking some of those things over the next few weeks. This morning, we're looking at money and how we should think about money, and I'm really pleased it's Glyn talking about that and not me. We're going to worship God in a moment. Charlene is going to be leading us in worship. In the book of Lamentations, Jeremiah writes as he thinks about some of the good and some of the not-so-good things that happened over his life. He says, I remembered my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I remember them well, don't we just? And my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great hope, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. Let's worship that same God that Jeremiah worshipped all those centuries ago. Charlene, thank you. Good morning, everybody. Let's just come together and pray. Father God, thank you for the privilege of being here together this morning, for all your children here, for all your children watching online. Thank you, Lord, that you are faithful and that you never abandon us no matter what. Lord, we just pray that we could let go of everything that's holding us back today and fill up with the Holy Spirit, Lord be our strength, and be our guide through this service. Thank you for your love. Amen. Good morning, everybody. So we have two readings this morning, and the first one is from Malachi, chapter 3, and we're beginning at verse 6. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, 
says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. And the second reading is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Now, about the collection for the Lord's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up, so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. So, some great words, hey? Challenging already, and I haven't even started. Um, I wanted to say, you know, you've got to remember that we're in the new covenant now. That's, you know, what Malachi talks about is, um, is old covenant teaching, and we're in the new covenant where it's full of grace and mercy. Jesus came to fulfill the law, and he works from a place of grace and mercy. And I also wanted to say, as we're talking about money today, it's a very private thing, isn't it? Um, you know, we don't talk about it. It's almost taboo. And I wanted to say, whatever I say, whatever we bring today, however the challenge is, it's between you and God. We as a church are not questioning who you are and where you are. This is between you and God. Yeah? So while there is clear challenge all the way through this, and I'm using Roger's notes, and I'm in a way not surprised that he's pulled a sickie again. You know, Roger, you're watching this? You are fair game, surely. You know, it's impossible almost to talk about giving and to talk about money when you're paid by the church. So I think it's appropriate, actually, that this has happened. You know, God knows, doesn't he? You know, Roger, actually, he's really ill. He can't really speak very well. He's got a very sore throat. There's no way he could be here today. So just to put some perspective there, I'm not, you know. Money is important. And in this current series, looking at how we can get things right, looking at what Proverbs tells us, looking at what our Bible tells us, we're seeking to be very practical, picking up on lessons and challenges. And there's quite a few in this one. I'm not going to say forgive me because God does that, doesn't he? But it is a journey and no one's expected to, to immediately respond. This is something that God will challenge and change in you over time. And certainly that's how I felt as I've walked the walk. Um, if you don't learn to manage your money, it's going to manage you. Few things cause more anxiety and conflict than money and debt. 64% of families 
argue over money. 54% of all divorces are over money. The Bible has much to say about money, both in the Old and the New Testament. Solomon was the wisest and the wealthiest of men. So it's apt, isn't it, that we're looking at Proverbs. And he gives us five foundations for financial freedom. So we're going to work through those today. So you're ready. Step one, enjoy what you already have. Proverbs 21, verse 17 in the Good News Bible says, Indulging in luxuries, wine and rich food will never make you wealthy. It's kind of obvious. Luxuries are fine, but we need to appreciate what we already have. Hebrews 13:5 says, be content with what you already have. Sometimes we're so busy getting more, we don't have time to enjoy what we already have. We're driven, and I think our society drives us to get more, to start things but never finish them. And as a result... Our relationships suffer, and sometimes we just don't see the cracks until it's too late. Is there an imbalance in our prayer time between gratitude for what we have and pleasers for what we don't? If we say, I'll be happy when, when I've got the new car, when I've got my new job that pays me more, I'll be happy when I've got my... Um, big house, I'll be happy. But we're not contented, are we, with what we have? And we may need to repent. We certainly need to reassess. Do you feel content with what you've got? For me, I find that a hard journey. You know, we're always looking for more. We always want something more. And... um, and, and yeah, learning to be content is hard. Paul in Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 to 13 says, Not that I speak from want, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances. And I say that's the bar we need to get to, and, and that's where the challenge in this, that we're, that we're aiming for that, and we don't, perhaps not there, or we're not, we're not getting there, but we, can, but we can work towards it, can't we? We don't need to do that. So, enjoy what you already have. Number two, plan your spending. Proverbs 21.5 says, Plan carefully and you will have plenty. If you act too quickly, you will never have enough. And Proverbs 21.20 says, Stupid people... This is the Good News Bible, by the way. (laughs) Stupid people spend their money as fast as they get it. A study found out that nine out of ten people shop impulsively. Can you imagine? Do do, do you think that? Is that how you work? You just kind of see something and buy it? Yeah? Nine out of ten. That's pretty significant. So, you know, there's probably two of you here who don't. Yeah? 
um, came across this story. Uh, I have to say, this is Roger's notes, okay? Um, <laughs> came across this story on the internet. No, it's a good story, no problem. Came across this story on the, on, on the internet. I didn't, Roger did. I'm just being honest. One impulsive buyer puts their credit cards in a bowl of water in the freezer. So if she gets the urge to spend, she has to defrost the credit cards. Smart, huh? Well, she obviously knows herself very well. Financial freedom is never determined by how much money we make. Yeah? It's not. It's determined by how we spend what we make. Budgeting is telling your money where you want it to go, rather than wondering where it went. And we need to make that a matter of prayer, don't we? We need to ask God for wisdom of how we should spend that money that he's given us through the work that he's given us. Jesus is either Lord of all or not Lord at all. Yeah? I came across this thing, um, it's, it's talking about people getting converted, and, and um, my wife will laugh at me because um, it, it, what, it, what it says is that often the last thing to get, get converted is a person's bank account. My wife will laugh because she always says, I'm a Yorkshireman with large pockets and short arms. <laughs> We can worship money or we can use money as an act of worship, not just when we take the offering, yeah? And Paul, doesn't he say, it's the love of money that is the root of all evil, not money itself. And he goes on to say that some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and we don't want that for anyone, do we? Yeah. So this money is a really important thing. Our scriptures back it up. It's hard, isn't it? It's hard. How do we manage money? It's hard for those who are struggling on a day-to-day basis. What do, what do we do with that? How do we manage that? Um, you know, that, that money becomes, becomes important because you just don't have enough. And, and, and please, as I go on to the rest of this, message do not take what i'm saying uh, as a, as a mandate as we go into talking about things like tithing and stuff like that if you're one of those here who is struggling financially i would pray and i would hope that this is a season in your life that it won't be like that for long uh, and don't feel you're under any pressure in any way this is between you and god so we go on Have you ever said to yourself, I don't know where all my money goes? Well, you're in trouble then, aren't you? Proverbs 27:23 says, Riches can disappear fast, so watch your business interests closely. Know the state of your flock. And remember, of course, this was written when everyone was a shepherd. Um, so the flocks, actually the sheep, 
were an expensive item. And we've got the stories, haven't we? The stories, parables of the lost sheep and all that kind of stuff. We often come back to sheep um, because it's a good standard of wealth back then, not so much now, perhaps. So the flocks represent assets. And he's saying, know what assets you've got. And Roger writes, I'm going to quote what he's put in here. Um, He's put, this is not being a strength of mine. I'm realizing how much of a weakness it has been. Interesting, isn't it? And yet 1 Corinthians 14.40 says, everything should be done in a fine and fitting and orderly way. For me, as a part qualified accountant, obviously it's something that, that I've been aware of and I've worked with for a long, long time. I'm not so bad. But you know what? I think this is really hard. And I'm trained in it. Because I think, you know, with the cards that we use now, everything's electronic, isn't it? Or almost everything's electronic. We use cards. We have multiple cards. Well, we need multiples because every now and again one doesn't work. You need to have another one, don't you? And, and then tracking where, where, which bit of money's gone where and, and what have you, I think is really hard. I find it hard. Um, I just want to give a plug for the Cat Money course I don't know whether you've, some of you have come across it. We've done it several times in church. I think there's one coming up soon, but I can't remember the date. Uh, I wasn't able to find it as I was looking into this. Um, but the Cat Money course is absolutely brilliant. If you struggle with managing your money, it's a really simple, it's three evenings of learning how to manage your money. And it's a really simple exercise and a simple way of doing it. And it, I, I, I help my son, who's got special needs, use the Cat Money way. And he manages his money quite well now. And I'm really, it's, it's just brilliant. So I'm big plug for that. If you come, if you're one who struggle, look out for the next Cat Money course. It's well worth it. The Bible says in Proverbs 21.20, the wise man saves for the future. The average Japanese person saves 25% of their income. The average European saves about 18%. And the average American, about 5 Why? Because we're a live-for-today society. Yeah? Just do it now. Just do it now. Get it on with it now. Live. Enjoy it now. It's how it works. And, but the Bible says in Proverbs 6, Consider the ant bit strange but the ant of course stores up a little at a time so that when winter comes it's got its food and everything ready for the winter and it what a great example that we need to do the same we need to put a little bit away every week for when the boiler goes for when your car gets written off like mine did yesterday um yeah, you, you need some savings. It's, you know, it's so important, if you can. And as part of that process, as a, a, with, with my son, he puts a little bit away every, every month, because he's paid monthly, into a savings account, um, so that when his motorbike breaks down or when his motorbike blows up, he's got some money to buy another one. And it, and it works for him, and it's worked now for, what, probably about 10 years. Uh, he manages his own money now, which he could never do before. It's... It's a good thing to learn. So, so why do we save so little? 
Well, times are hard, aren't they? And I, want, I think we all need, I don't know, I mean, a few weeks ago, Tori and I went away, um, and, uh, and it was a horrible weather. And, um, and we, we kind of looked at one another and said, well, what are we going to do? We, you know, we're away in a hotel, but we can't go out for walks. We can't go out to see stuff. It's just pouring. It's nasty. So I said, well, how about some retail therapy? And you know what? It makes you feel good, doesn't it? I don't know. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not seeing many nods. I'm, I, are you all just perfect and I'm not? Is that, is that what it is? You know, and actually we did. We enjoyed, we don't do it very often, I have to say. We, did, we enjoyed going out and buying some nice clothes that we don't, wouldn't normally have bought. Um, we, we were away for a weekend to enjoy ourselves and it was something that we didn't really enjoy. But it does make you feel good. And I can understand people going out and doing that because it makes them feel good. But there has to be a balance, doesn't there? It's okay to spend a bit. It's okay to, you know, you don't blow all your savings. You know? It's all, it, it's all of that. These times might be difficult for many of us, but as a practical teaching, we need to be thinking about it. We need to be planning and managing ourselves well. So the last section you'll be glad to hear. Give back to God. Proverbs 3 verses 9 and 10 says, Honour the Lord by giving him the first part, not the leftovers, of all your income. Not the leftovers, he's not in the Bible, by the way. Of all your income, and he will fill your barns to overflowing. So what it's saying, and I'm sure you've all heard it before, that we give out of what we, what, what we earn, we don't give out of what's left. Yeah? And, and, and certainly for us as a, as, a, as a family, we've seen God just bless us and bless us and bless us. And I believe giving is a significant part of that. Well, I'll give you a story, right? So um, many years ago now, we were, we were in a, uh, at a Bible week and... Um, on the Thursday evening on the Bible week, they always had a giving day or giving evening. And you give promises to the organization. And uh, we, were, we were there and, uh, and actually we got split up. We were in a big group of people and Tori was kind of halfway across the auditorium and I was on the other side. And, uh, and we've always agreed and worked through these things together. And, um, and so, we, you know, everybody's asked to pray. So you've got to 4,000, 5,000 people there praying about what they should give. And then people give, either give money, give a check or whatever. I mean, it's kind of built up over the week. So people are sometimes are organized. We were not at all. Um, and, uh, and as we're praying there, um, Tori, God gave Tori a figure of, uh, of 500 pounds and gave me a figure of 500 pounds. We were separate from one another. Now, 500 pounds to us back then was an awful lot of money. Um, it is, what, 25 years ago, something like that anyway. Um, but what I'm trying to get to is what God does and how God uses it. So we came, we came so we promised, so I, I ran over to Tory, went and found Tory and said, said I, think, I think we should give 500 pounds. Well, actually, what I'd heard was it should be 500 pounds each so suddenly we're kind of into 
that's a month's wages or something like that, you know? It, it, it's, a, it's a lot of money. And, uh, but we were both absolutely convinced. So we went, okay, God's spoken. We need to do it. We, so we wrote a little thing out saying, I promise to pay £1,000. Handed it and thing felt really good. Got home, you know, a couple of days later. And, I, and um, Tori, Tori says to me, well, we made this promise. We better sort this out. Um, we knew, knowing that that money was going to end up coming out of our overdraft... I mean, I'm not saying all of it, but, but, you know, a good chunk of it was coming out of our overdraft. And I said, well, we've promised. We've got, to, we, we've got to do what we promised. You know, we've promised this to God. So, and Tori says, well, you've got to sign it because of the way the checks work and all of that. So I signed the check, set off for work, got down. It's really funny that this is happening today, I have to say, giving you this story, and you'll find out why in a second. Coming down the road, we used to live in Blanford, down the back roads, came round a corner, there's a bus in the middle of the road. Hit the brakes, it was just outside a farm, there's grease and dirt and stuff all over the farm. The car went into a spin and I hit the bus side on, smashed all the car and my elbow and various other bits and pieces. Um, so I kind of rings Tori up and said, uh, there's no car anymore. And... Uh, and she's, she's going, well, are you all right? You all right? I said, well, there's some blood from my elbow, but I'm, I'm okay. I'm fine. Uh, I did have 15 stitches down my, down, down my, let's say, it, it was quite a bit of blood. Um, and, uh, and so we, and Tori says, what am I going to do with the check? Because, of course, the check would have actually bought me another car. We'd just written it off. It was third party only because, well, you don't need to go into that, but it was third party only. Um, and, we, and I just said, no, we've got to send this check. We've just got, you know, we promised God we've got to send this check. Now, I can, we can look back to that adventure in giving, to the huge adventure we've had in God in adopting, in, move, in working in Cambodia, in lots of things, back to that huge adventure in giving in God. Now, I'm not saying God is asking you, or you, or you, or you, to give like that, because that was very clearly a conviction in our hearts from God. And I think that's how it needs to be. But I don't think we have to be afraid of it. And I think that's what I want to get across. And when we have, when we have adventures like that in God, whatever it is, you don't need to be afraid. You can trust him. So... If we want God's help in getting out of debt, the starting point is to put him first in everything we do. Matthew 5, verse 6, good news again. Happy are those whose greatest desire is to do what God requires, for they shall be completely and fully satisfied. Your finances being out of control can be symptomatic of a life that is out of control. We need a life manager. The word in the Bible for that, we could argue, is Lord. Jesus wants to be the manager of our life. How we handle our money can be a form of test of our spirituality. You know, if you haven't been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, God will not entrust us with spiritual riches. It's as if God sees how we how we handle our finances as an indication of the spiritual faithfulness and maturity. 
God has chosen money as one of the tests in our life to see how much we really trust him. Just like in my story, we just trusted him. And it worked out. It's fine. But you might say, I don't feel like I'm growing. I feel like I'm spiritually dry. I'm going nowhere. If we feel like that, then there are lots of positive things we can do. Rarely will someone suggest you check your finances, or more specifically, your use of them. I'm going to suggest today, are you honoring God with your money? What do you think? Give to God before you spend money anywhere else. And his scriptures tell us that he will give abundantly back. You may or may not be able to afford a 10% tithe, which is what uh, is used as kind of a litmus test. Um, you know, are you giving 10%? And, and we as a church give, of, of all that you give, we give 10% back out again. Because we believe that is an absolutely spiritual principle we should be working to you can't always make it that's okay and um i think as david said last week was it um you know those uh, the business people the business people um who who started giving 10 percent of what their business earned quite a lot and i've read the same stories end up giving 20 30 40 50 and some up to 90 percent of their income away because of the way god has blessed It starts from where your heart is with the way you use the money. So some really practical stuff. If you're a taxpayer and you give to God's work here, then please consider gift-aiding this if you don't already do it. Why not, if, if you are already doing that, why not consider tithing your will? Now there's an interesting thought certainly one that we haven't talked about why because it demonstrates that literally we have an eternal perspective in how we view money we're thinking of the bigger thing the bigger thing what's god going to do with it our giving should be a heart thing it came from god in the first place he's given it all to me he's given everything for me for you for my sin. Now there's a payment that should wa- there is a payment that should warrant a grateful response from all of us. Don't you think? So, just to wrap up, it is challenging stuff. It's a horrible subject, but it's one that does need to be covered. I hope it's spoken to you. I hope God's spoken to you. But don't feel guilty, under pressure, by any of of what I've said. God isn't like that. He's a God of love and mercy and endless compassion. So for whatever your circumstances right now, don't feel any guilt or any pressure. Thank you for listening. I'm going to hand back to Charlene. And we're going to turn our eyes upon Jesus. We come now to our time of prayer. I'd like us to spend just a few minutes at the beginning with our own private prayers. Last week, 
Um, Mark and Jane use the Lord's Prayer in a rather special way. I sometimes like to use the Lord's Prayer when I'm out here, but I don't think I can ever follow that powerful use of that. So can we just spend a few minutes doing two things? One, just reflecting on the Lord's Prayer ourselves and what it actually means for us. But also at the same time, praying for individuals that are on our hearts and minds at this time that need our special prayers. And also I think we include within those prayers our Pastor Roger, who and we hope he's going to be back with us soon. So can we just spend a few moments in silence as we think about people and we think about the meaning behind the Lord's Prayer. Let us pray. I think it's appropriate this week for us to think about the conference taking place in Glasgow, COP26, and our stewardship of God's world. We thank you for the wonderful world you have created, Lord. The sky, the trees, the flowers, the oceans, and all the creatures in our world including all those that sustain us. But we ask your forgiveness, Lord, for our failure to be good stewards of your creation. We pray that we can do a better job in the next ten years than we have done in the past. And we ask you to encourage us to play our part, however small, in improving our stewardship. And in particular, help us to take a broader view of the changes that are needed rather than focusing on our own needs. We pray for COP26 and that our leaders can be more ambitious and especially pray that those countries reluctant to move quickly enough can be persuaded to do so. And we also pray, Lord, that we can find better ways to share the resources of our world with all of those people, particularly those in special needs. And we'd like to pray for our local area. We pray that we can play our part in that area to safeguard your world and provide for those in greatest need with food and shelter. We pray that our local churches and charities can work together to achieve our aims. And we especially pray that we can help those who have been affected by the COVID outbreak. So we just bring all these prayers to you about this world of ours, Lord, that we can make a better job in the future. And we offer these prayers in Christ's name. Amen.